0: Let's glaze around the pod.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm very happy to have you here too. Thank for you. one particular reason, oh. I feel like for the past few episodes, yeah. I've been a little focused on some of the things I don't like about comedy oh. and the things that have been like frustrating me. Okay. One thing I love about comedy, and you tie into this directly, okay, is whenever you have like an idea mm-hmm. for a bit or you notice something, but you're never able to quite flesh it out. Sure. And then you see another comic do it oh. way better than than you had ever could. Okay, I had that with you a month ago. Okay, with your joke about driving your wife's car. Yes, that has like an automated. I hate it. Start.
1: I really hate it. You yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having You're me welcome. here. For for such a nice introduction. And for highlighting a bit that I'm like, is that even a bit? No,
0: that was w- <laughs> see, I w- I cause I think I walked in yeah. to the show, it was a QED a month ago. Great. And club. you were like halfway through yeah. your, your set. But Grant. I Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was if it, it felt it, was that like the first time you did it? Because it felt very yeah. prepared, but not in like a it felt like oh, a very yeah. authentic, real, like yeah, thought I out.
1: Think, thank you. Um yeah. So it's not the first time mm-hmm. that I did it, but I felt sometimes with that. Bit and the gist of it is basically: I hate new cars because. They, like, I just don't, I don't like the feel of it. I need a key that turns in the ignition. Manual. You need, yeah, like, an actual. Like, you I just d- want to know it's on. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, what even is on? Because it's, yeah. like, a theoretical construct. Like, I could just, the key is a theoretical construct. You mm-hmm. just have to be thinking about it to turn the car on. It's not even on. a key.
0: It's a key as a concept. Yes. It's not a key that actually turns a No, it's a not.
1: Lot. It's, like, why do we even have it? And so then, oh, and what really caused the bit to arise was that I lost the keys to my wife's car. I have a story about this in too. my <laughs> wife's car. And yeah. I'm like, for that very reason alone, we should be turning the key- the ignition on with the key. But even
0: though it's lost in the car, you yeah. can still drive it. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. Because totally. it's, it's in the radius of right. you have the brake on and you push the button.
1: Well, first of all, I think you might be able to, at least you could. I know this because we had this. Um, you can drive a car like that without the key in the car. Really? Because one time I dropped my wife off for an appointment in not this new car, but a prior new car that was also a button situation. She goes to her appointment. I'm driving around. and Then I'm like, oh, I don't have the key. She has the key. So then it was sort of like the movie Speed, but just like on, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> because I just couldn't Liz turn Liz Glazer off. is...
0: In on. (laughs) Right. She can't stop the car. (laughs) Can she stop the car? Correct,
1: yeah. So I just needed to keep it on. And, you know, the stakes were considerably lower in our life than they were in the movie Speed because the appointment was over, you know, 45 minutes later. Mm -hmm. And then she gets back in the car and it's fine. Does she have the key? Yeah, she had the key. Yeah, in that story. But I don't know anymore if, like, you actually can. And then the on thing is you know the what is on anymore because now it's like the car being on it like i'm at a red light it's just off it stops i'm like i thought we were in this together meanwhile no. it's like no 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 you're on your own and i just don't like it
0: and it's I, it's supposed to do that because it's like environmentally I friendly know. but it seems like stopping yeah. and starting the car yeah but is it again is it even stopping I and would, starting what like what the,
1: have the equivalent of a laugh track, Mm -hmm. but just an on track. Yeah. Right. Because that I think would make me feel more comfortable. And I recognize fully that this is like a me being like, I'm old and I like things that are old type of bit, but so be it. Because I just like, uh, it's like, and you had such a wonderful framing of it when we texted about this, Mm -hmm. that when things progress, they also regress. They do. Because
0: it's it's meant to be, it's meant to make things easier. Yeah. But somehow like if if the thing that makes it <laughs> easier breaks, it becomes infinitely harder. There's Correct. no way to fix it. Like the, the yeah. story you have about, you know, you lost the key in the car. Yeah. My mother in law's car is like that. She has okay. she has a BMW that's like, you know, automated uh. everything. <laughs> but the key, key was lost, yeah. but we weren't sure if it was in the car or yeah. somewhere in the house because the car was still turning on, sure. but they couldn't find the key. So my right. father-in-law, uh-huh. they weren't sure if like the other key in the house was causing it to turn on.
1: Yeah, who so even he, knows now? So
0: he literally got in the car with yeah. the other key, drove... Five miles away, uh-huh. and seeing if the car would still turn on. It's
1: almost like now you need a paternity test mm-hmm. to figure out which key is the key that's going to turn the car on. The primary car, yeah, it, like, exactly. it couldn't like
0: light up or something. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm I'm with you on that 100. percent And That's why I love that bit so much <laughs> Thank be, you. because it like it. That's my favorite kind of comedy. Like I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer in like the little things kind of add up, yeah. you know. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. little day to day aggravations right. that makes up the majority of your <laughs> life. Yeah, and so if they're not on the level then it can really throw you off sure, but, but that's sure. like an idea i had about like oh that this bothers me so right. like there's got to be a bit in there somewhere but yeah. i could never put it down and um. then i walk into the room yeah and I, I like i was never able to like write it out the way i wanted to sure. Then i hear it and it's like oh it's almost like a relief because like huh. she did this bit and it, here it is like arrived yeah. you know what i mean
1: thanks pete i really well first of all it's such a it really is a lovely introduction and and just you know it's a nice Nice to hear a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't and, get a
0: lot of those in comedy, a lot right? Of the time. Right.
1: Well, and I was complimenting you and your project. I love this project. Thank you. Okay. Can I just say? And you know, like I don't know all of your range of feelings about it, mm. but this is my favorite type of entertainment to consume, and not even—I don't mean it entertainment to minimize it. Like I think it's more than that. It's like this is. Everything about art that I think is worthwhile. Oh, my. All right. Yeah. Thank you. And, and again, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. You can speak for how you feel about it. I don't want to speak for you. I mean, so
0: I guess I can kind of take it back to the beginning. Okay. I've, i t- I, m- I might have touched upon this like in, but not with this kind of depth in previous sure. podcasts. It was yeah. just, like, I've been doing stand up for a long time. Yeah. Um, the goal has always been to not need a day job and to be a comedian full time. And I've always fallen short and I've always had this like aspiration or looking forward to the horizon of like, Oh, when this happens, things will be a little bit better Mm -hmm. trying to work to make it happen. And then like, it just like my well of energy and like motivation really just kind of ran dry Yeah, because I wasn't getting back what I was putting in. Yeah, And there was a specific day. It was like maybe like late November, early December of 2022. And I was Mm -hmm at New York comedy club, waiting to go up at late night, wasn't sure if I was going to get a spot and I'm sitting there for two hours and it's like, I can't continue on like this. Yeah. This is really making me deeply unhappy. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. when I kind of like that weekend, I kind of came up with the idea of like, you know what? Like I can give myself th- through 2023. Um, I'm about to turn 37. My wife and I are going to try and have a family soon. Like I yeah. need to really try and like set a deadline Yeah, just to make one last push, you know, and so like having that kind of got me going at first. And then I kind of got this idea of like, what if I just went public with it? Because initially it was just like a private thing that I kept to myself and I wasn't Mm going to really tell a lot of people about it. And it's like, yeah, maybe that would be the thing that kind of puts it over the the edge of like getting people interested or on my side or Mm -hmm. like kind of rooting for me a little bit or they can see their struggles. Sure um and so getting it off the ground was incredibly difficult again all the the admin stuff that goes into like podcasts you know and like getting this camera and doing the tests and the audio and all that stuff well
1: good season to get the camera because maybe some sales yeah around december oh no
0: i didn't buy it until february
1: okay or march yeah
0: no no yeah (laughs) all the new year's resolution people were i'm gonna film stuff this year well we're gonna charge you full (laughs) price for it um but anyway, it's been so much work. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been a lot of return on it in terms of like numbers like yeah. y- like I mean, yeah, people can see like the views on YouTube videos and like the podcast downloads aren't honestly much higher. yeah, um, there is a satisfaction in like really trying hard and like giving my all at something because yeah. I know that i've I've never worked as hard at anything as I have at this particular thing.
1: well, i what I love about it first of all is the the real just honesty. And I I don't know, but I imagine that that freedom to just be like, listen, here's where I'm at mm. with this is gratifying.
0: It is, and that's been a big source of stress too with comedy, yeah. where it's like people asking me like, hey, uh, tell us about a show you have coming up. It's like, well, none of the shows I do are worth inviting people right. to. They're like, in. Like, what do you
1: want to see? Yeah, it's yeah. like I,
0: yeah, if I'm headlining Caroline's, like the one time I did that, in my career, yeah. I'll invite everybody. I know, thank yes. you. Yeah, but like it was like most of the time I have nothing good mm-hmm. to share. And I, I had like shame around that. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. No, like literally nothing <laughs> like, like yeah. Open mics and bar shows sure. and like random club spots every now and then. So there was a shame around like, yeah. Not feeling like I was successful and wanting to hide that from people. Yeah. Cause I felt bad about it and then you internalize it. So now it's just like, fuck it. Here it is. Like I have yeah. so far failed at comedy.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, so for me, mm-hmm i had another career before doing comedy yeah tell us about your yeah yeah well but i want to say one more thing before because i just want to make sure to not forget this Mm -hmm. is there's a mike burbiglia quote i think it's like from a tweet and so i'm never going to be able to find this thing Mm -hmm. um but he i think it was when maybe the new one came out on netflix or was going to broadway it was like some kind of big moment For a more recent show of his. And then Netflix picked up like all of his older shows Mm -hmm. and put them on. And he had this tweet thread. I don't know if you saw it, but about basically like the story of each of those shows and how like none of the networks wanted them. And like that his I think some comedy special was on Comedy Central Made by Comedy Central, but they took it down because the numbers were too low. I think
0: Sleepwalk With Me, right? Maybe. Maybe I don't even know. But but I just
1: remember it from uh, this tweet thread of his because it was a successful moment uh, for him. And then he highlighted all of these other things that were like not so successful along the way. And the quote that I remember is, nothing is anything until later. Yeah. And I always think about that because he's like, yeah, you can see everything now on Netflix, which is like obviously amazing, but also nothing is anything until later. And went through the specifics of how nothing was anything before. Mm -hmm. And now it's all on Netflix, which is amazing.
0: And it becomes something it gets meaning once the success of a future project kind of sheds light or or informs the early experience.
1: Right. And I think about this with, Another influence for me is Lena Dunham. Mm-hmm. Oh, who, well, we
0: just rewatch girls.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. And I love that there was that article about how people now are rewatching girls. Yeah. We rewatched it last, my wife and I, during the pandemic, not to be a trendsetter in the rewatch, <laughs> but maybe we were. You beat
0: us. We rewatched <laughs> it last year. So you were oh, ahead yeah. of us. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So, so anyway, but, um, It's amazing and one of the the reasons that i brought her up in this moment not only because she writes about her life in the past and the more recent past Mm -hmm. but also because she like i don't know about now i don't know what's up or not on her youtube or whatever but i remember like when girls was popular you could go back on her youtube and find, like, early stuff with, like, like the- 400 views or whatever it was. And I I really love when people who make work and that work later takes on some popularity, virality, whatever it is, and they leave the older stuff. I am not one of those people <laughs> um, because I'm obsessive about deleting Um not emails, I do have a bit about that, but like basically just like, you know, I maybe there is a time when I would leave up the drafts, but I feel now like it's, I don't know, like maybe I can't afford that or something.
0: Is it, um, Like a a perfectionism or is it like a curating kind of thing where it's like you don't want – you want people to think like this level that I'm at now, this is how I've always been?
1: Well, it's – I imagine – no, it's not that I want people to think that. I think it's just like I feel – and I'm saying this but not necessarily saying I'm right about it because meanwhile I – admire these people who didn't do that i mean i don't know that mike bigley is exactly in that category because like
0: he did do letterman at 24
1: yeah and it's like that's like his tv stuff he's not putting on his open mic sets or whatever it is right but um and and again it's not like whatever lena dunham had which i honestly i'm not i I don't even remember what i'm thinking about but like i think it was like vlogs and yeah
0: vlogs or like she had some like really I don't want to say poorly done, but like clearly student films at Oberlin or wherever it was she went to school. Yeah, and it's
1: just like, okay, it's there. And I guess like maybe because we do comedy and we're so primed for like, okay, well, that joke got better. So why would I leave up the version of it that's not as good Mm -hmm. if there's the better version? And I guess there's part of that, which is perfectionism. But it's like if you've made the joke better, then why do you need the earlier version would be one way of – saying it yeah like like
0: the the, you want to show them the finished product yeah
1: but i but i also like i don't know i guess yeah it's a perfectionism it is curation and and also it's like if somebody is going to look for me on the internet and they have one shot to see one thing why would i leave up this thing that's not an accurate representation of where i'm at right now if you're already whatever and then it's kind of a novelty that people find the old stuff mm-hmm. then maybe that's a different thing but as i'm saying it i'm like i kind of disagree with me
0: i know it's like it's hard yeah. to um square your mm-hmm. and i think this is true in comedy and true in art in general your yeah. personal ethics with your ambitions yeah. or like your yes. your career goals and i yeah. I, I think there is I, maybe it is only when someone has reached a certain level of success that their earlier quote-unquote failures are mm-hmm. like, but you, you say failure, like, you know, I'm sure when Lena Dunham made those vlogs and it got 400 views in college, she was, like, right. happy about that, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. But, like, th- I think there's something very interesting about this. Um, I read a book called Mindset, and uh-huh. it talks about the idea of, like, growth mindset versus yeah. static mindset. Right. This idea of a growth mindset where, mm-hmm. like, yeah, this stuff is not good now but there will be better stuff coming in the future and then yeah. it'll be like a continuum or like a story or a narrative yeah that a viewer or a fan can track yeah and you'll um they'll appreciate the work more to see where because again for anyone who's aspiring to do something Uh, whether it's art or whatever if they only see the finished product that can be like a little um, not not degrading isn't the right word demoralizing
1: yeah I think that too I mean so I you know to the extent that I've had like little pops of success in comedy so like one was like I won the Boston Comedy Festival I won it on Zoom everybody can relax but like (laughs) (laughs) asterisk but but I you know whatever yeah and so I remember like I was like okay so I'm gonna post about it obviously Mm -hmm. but I had won it in 2020 and in 2019 the year prior, I was rejected outright from the festival. And so to the extent that that I knew that, you know, people were going to come to my page to see my post about winning on the day after I won or whatever it was, I also included the email saying that I was rejected the prior year mm-hmm. because even though – and again, like, you know – Whatever, I, I'm not saying this like, oh, my God, aren't I amazing that I did this? But like, I agree with you that it's important in acknowledging the moments of success to also acknowledge the moments of like failure or whatever we want to call them along the way but the reason that I was saying about my prior career which like the you know quick version of it is I was a law professor and now I'm a comedian and I was a lawyer before that which is like pretty standard everybody does that so um, I left this job where everything was about perfectionism because I was hired when I was teaching as a tenure track professor which first of all is a very hard job to get in terms of, I think it's like a point oh 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 one percent type of yield. Like it would be such a fascinating documentary. I think if someone did a documentary about the hiring of law professors, because it happens in this one hotel that's super old. I think it's a Marriott in DC and like
0: literally shadowy, smoky rooms in DC. Yeah, like, exactly.
1: All and like the elevators don't work. And so if you're one of the few, you know, candidates who went to Yale from pre-K through law school and you got straight A's, even though they don't have grades or whatever it is and published every year from when you were four years old and all the rest of it. Like if you're the perfect candidate, then you're going to necessarily miss your interviews because you can't get from one end of this hotel to the other one because nothing works. You get by
0: design almost to like test
1: it. I don't even know, but I just think it's like, yeah, maybe. And I think it would just be a fascinating thing. They call it the meat market, which is like, you know, whatever I think it's a double entendre and it's it's like it's just a conference and that's where they hire law professors and you could as a school not hire anybody because they're really it's like sometimes someone has to die for you to get this job to begin with okay and so anyway so my whole life doing that job I did it for nine years it was on a six-year tenure clock and so for the first six years of that job everything was about being perfect because the entire time you're aware that your tenure rides on these 42 people voting on you. And if you show them that something was off, they have a reason not to vote for you for tenure.
0: So this, it's like a continuous interview process Correct. almost. So you yeah. have like the, the hotel in D.C. and then yeah. it just doesn't stop for six Correct. years.
1: I think that's right. And so when I left and i left because i did comedy once and i was like this is amazing and it it wasn't like i left the next day but like the next day i knew i wanted to leave mm-hmm. because i was just like well this like this whatever that was and i don't think a lot of comics that i've heard have the story of like well i got laughs and i love the feeling of that i'm not saying i don't but that's not what it was for me it was hey i can just be totally honest on stage Mm -hmm. and really stage was not so different for me from in front of the class and as a law professor it's not like I felt like I was telling outright lies but I couldn't say hey guys I feel stupid so
0: it was it was almost more of a performance than stand-up was correct it's it's like deeply ironic that allegedly you know you're teaching a class and it's like i'm professor glazer i'm, I'm talking mm-hmm. about this this is me i'm telling you but that felt like a false version of yourself it's whereas it. you on stage it's like oh this is what it feels like to actually yep. be me and not have this like eye hovering over my shoulder correct like just judging my performance yeah
1: and i didn't have to cover any material because you know like nobody's taking a test on me at the end right. of my set you know unless you come to some shows but i like i that was was the thing mm-hmm. of it, right? was just like, oh, no, I don't have to put anything on. There's no rules, whatever. no guardrails. Right, exactly. It's like
0: you define everything
1: yeah, else. Yeah, 100%. And then you get deeper into it, stand-up, mm-hmm. and the life of it and everything that goes along with it, and you realize, or at least I have, that there's a lot of performance that can go with it, and not just on stage, but just like, oh, I'm saying this joke and I've never said it before, right? So that's like acting in a way. Mm-hmm. And because you have to, like, come up with it afresh and, like, you know, have – I mean, I love acting, so I don't say that with any degradation toward acting. I think acting is, like, the noblest pursuit, truly. And good acting is, like, everything No, to it, me. like,
0: shakes your – like, I remember yeah. the first – if I could just interject real quick. Please. The first time I remember, see- like, seeing acting that really yeah shook me was um, – I think it was the second to last episode of the first season of Breaking Bad. Nice. Where, have you watched Breaking Bad? No. But there's an episode, it's like Bryan Cranston, the first time he does something like really violent to like get what he wants. And he's a guy that just feels disempowered and you you kind of learn this more as the show goes on, but he got fucked out of something and he's bitter and angry about it. And he does something where he like just, um, asserts his will on Uh like a, a, Drug dealer. Right. And he gets a bunch of money, like $50,000 in a bag. Uh, and he goes in his car and he just has this moment of like, like just yeah. so excited, but like yeah. angry and like just letting all this frustration out and just seeing Brian Cranston pull that off. Yeah. I remember where I was watching you just like Whoa. sitting curled up and staring at the screen and like just feeling it reverberate yeah in my chest yeah and so I, I do agree with you when you say like really good acting yeah jumps through the screen yeah or off the stage yeah and and lands in someone's soul
1: totally and I and I yeah I, I guess I just meant to double click on the acting piece because I, I I feel like the way that I said it it might be taken to be like a negative mm-hmm. or something like that but like really great acting is a great thing it's an amazing thing and it's like a way of having truth come through a performance mm-hmm. and so anyway like as I got deeper into stand-up I, I feel like I simultaneously got better and worse like I was better at like writing a joke or landing a punchline or figuring out the math of stuff but I was worse at being that version that was just raw me yeah
0: I know I know exactly what you mean yeah I, I, I still deal with that a lot I feel Same. like sometimes when I tell a joke for the first time time or the first couple times. Yeah it just comes out yeah. so much better because I totally. haven't decided how I'm going to say it. A hundred
1: percent. And then when
0: you decide it, it then it just kind of loses that yeah. that magic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, and by the way, I think that the car bit was a version of that because it's not something that I do all the time. Mm-hmm. And that time I really, I don't think I even think was like planning to do it that night or whatever. Maybe I don't remember exactly, but like, yeah, it, it definitely had that freshness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helpful for me to understand that that, was resonant for it, you. Yeah. Came, came from yeah, your spirit. I could totally. feel your frustration. Yeah. Cause again, Mage. like I've dealt
0: with that same, my last car was a 2008 Dodge Avenger and it had yeah. the actual key that you turn. Amazing. And trying to drive a, right. I would just, you know, I, yeah, it, it came off the stage. And I totally. That.
1: Yeah. But so in pursuing this, and this is like my long winded way of like giving you a compliment is like, I feel like, I've lost some of that first wave of doing it where I'm like, I'm just going to be honest about everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense that I might have lost some of that. Um, but I don't think it's right. And I wish it didn't exist in my comedy.
0: What do you mean by it makes sense? Meaning like you've kind of...
1: like. I can understand why, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, first of all, in my album that just came out, Mm -hmm. I
0: a very particular experience. Number one on iTunes, available everywhere. Thank you, thanks, Pete.
1: So, in that, I don't think that this stuff applies because there, I, I mean, so we, my wife and I, experienced a stillbirth of our first daughter, Leo Pearl, of blessed memory, and I was shocked and sad and all of the things that go along with having that kind of jarring, very, very tragic experience. And also I was like, how am I ever going to laugh again? Like not even just as a comedian, as a person. Mm -hmm. And then slowly I slash we, my wife and I did. And I knew that I wanted to craft an hour arising from that like inciting incident or whatever, that that was the thing that I was like, okay, I want to figure out how to do comedy, not dishonoring any of the truth of our daughter's existence. um, And also this experience and like everything that was like heavy about it. I want to be heavy. And also I want it to be a comedy album. And I think that for me, that was a particular challenge um, that, You know, I'm not saying this was why it happened or anything like that, but like I felt like the universe was sort of showing me exactly what I wanted in a weird way. Not the stillbirth, obviously, but like the if I left law to do comedy, not because of the laughs, but because of the truth and the honesty of it, then the task of crafting an hour arising from this hugely tragic moment and loss is exactly the kind of project that's responsive to that reason for leaving.
0: Yeah, like there's no way to like finesse it or like structure it and like like almost like scheme an hour yeah. on it. It can only come yeah. w- with that freedom and without those, those boundaries right. that you would escape right. like the law world from. And
1: I wanted to do it on the anniversary of the stillbirth, which I did, because I wanted it to... I didn't want to do like a perfect crafted story hour. I just wanted to experience that moment, which I knew was going to be a hard day and moment and do it as honestly as possible. Mm -hmm. And I guess like the reason that I said all of this stuff, which obviously is relevant to like what's going on in my life and whatever. But for you specifically, and this project is like this project is everything about the honesty and and all of that that you're just putting out there.
0: Thank you. I yeah, mean, yeah. It is like the totality of my life right now. Stand up yeah. has been the animating force in my life for the past 14 years. Um, it's 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 that. It's my frustration with with day job stuff. Mm-hmm. It's my um, you know, because again, I started stand up. I was like a single, 23 year old idiot. Okay, and now I'm like a 37 year old married man. It's 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 like yeah. every piece of my life is kind of bound up in this thing or it's, there, it's it informs it
1: sure is there like a special that's going to happen at the end of the year
0: no i mean i guess there can be because I'm, I'm like working on stuff i don't know there's a part of me that's like if it ends in december like just kind of that that be the end of it and just put it to bed like I, really I, I don't know if i would like release anything after that i'm not sure huh but you, you think like like work towards something and then put it out and that's like the yeah the well also if because
1: yeah because like I mean, I love, like, the concert documentary as a genre, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, Never Say Never by Justin Bieber, if we take that as an example, right? But there are a lot of examples. You know, have you
0: seen Mistaken for Strangers about the National? Oh, it's phenomenal. Oh, really? really, Do you know who the National is? Yes, I do. Okay, so the lead singer's brother um, goes on tour with them as a roadie, and he is also like a filmmaker, but he's like, lives at home with his parents, and like, you know, and he films the tour ostensibly to make a tour documentary about the band. Yeah. But it ends up becoming about him and his relationship to his brother and oh. him trying to like finish and succeed at something. Yeah. So I would recommend watching that. I will watch it. Yeah.
1: Immediately.
0: It's fantastic.
1: Okay, good. Thank you. But I think that for the project alone, mm-hmm. even if you're not into it, let's say, right. I think it's really worthwhile because i think that it encapsulates this project
0: okay yeah I'm, I'm one thing i'm working on with this is um being open to suggestions and like because oh. in the past i've kind of this is how i want to do it yeah. and this is what it is well and also fuck,
1: you don't have to listen to me no
0: but like i, I do i wanna every because every bit of advice i've gotten from other comics from friends from family members like yeah. it, it, it it's coming from a place of genuine interest and like wanting yeah. to help and like being invested in like what I'm doing. So like 100%. I, I have to, I, I would be foolish not to like at least take everything in and like seriously consider it.
1: Sure. And I admire that attitude, but also I really mean it like, again, as you're saying, like totally out of love. And also because I just think like if I were watching this, I, I mean, I want to go because presumably that would either be your last show mm-hmm. or like, well, it's not going to be. Right, I exactly. mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know?
0: But it, it might be, and that's that's the other thing too. And and I've part of the reason I'm doing this too is if it doesn't work out, because I've, yeah. I've always wondered, like, I, I don't know if I could ever quit comedy because I yeah. would always wonder what if, but it's like if I yeah. have this stretch of time where I give it everything that I have yeah. and it doesn't quite work out, I, yeah. I feel like I could – for the first time I feel like I could be at peace with that and go on with the rest of my life and I don't think I would ever stop like writing or like making stuff I just wouldn't be so um, public about it or I wouldn't be pursuing something so hard because so much of my my focus and determination the last I mean at least the last 11 years I've been in New York has been towards this goal of being a full time comedian and whenever since I've always been falling short of that there's always like a constant hovering sense of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to just like excise that from my life. Yeah. So it's either by not doing it anymore or by succeeding.
1: Sure. And I wonder about this. And and I really I don't know. So it's like okay, the goal is not to have a day job. Yes. And so presumably that goal can be cashed out into like this number of dollars. Yeah. So what yeah. I've kind of set yeah.
0: as like parameters for myself, because I understand yeah. like making a living is very fluid. Sure. There's a few things to me that would qualify. And it might not even be making a living, but it's just like making a very large jump forward or having yeah. a viable, clear path yeah. forward. Uh, it would be like developing some kind of online following. What yeah. what that number is, I, say like fifty thousand followers yeah. on Instagram or something like that, right? Yeah. I've seen people make huge jumps in short same, amounts of time. Same, yeah. Um, having representation, like mm-hmm. I, I've been do- everything I've tried to do, I've I've had to do on my own. I, mm-hmm. I need help, like opening doors. So mm-hmm. if I had like management or like an agent that could kind of like get me into places, mm-hmm. I trust in my ability to be to like follow through or be able to like succeed in that way. I just mm-hmm. need help. Getting in the door, mm-hmm. or it would be financially if I was able to somehow put it together through podcast, YouTube channel, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that thing of like Chappelle said he told his dad like, oh, well, if I make a teacher salary every year, like is that is that enough for you? Because you want me to be a teacher. He goes, I guess that is enough. So like the average teacher salary is like sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which I think amounts to like five thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So if I was able to pull down five thousand dollars a month doing comedy that would also be a reason mm-hmm. for me to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, these are very lofty goals. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to do them, but that mm-hmm. was kind of part of it. Just like mm-hmm. pedal to the metal and, and really, really go for it.
1: Yeah. I just love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and I think, I mean, the reason I was asking about the financial thing is like, if that amount, so if it's 5,000 a month divided by 30 is, what is that, like 600 a day? Mm-hmm that i don't even know if that's right
0: uh it sounds about right okay six five five yeah Yeah, something like that yeah
1: so it's like if you could at the very least for this show make six hundred dollars that day
0: or wait maybe it's maybe it's 200 i don't know but anyway a a certain amount of yeah yeah yeah.
1: whatever the money is Mm -hmm. that like i don't know i just feel like I want you to make $60,000 from this show. That's what I want.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And also, like, I understand it's not about like, really deep down at the yeah. core of it. It's not about the money. It's not about having representation. It's not about having an online following. What I really want is I just want to do a lot of stand-up. Yeah. And a part of my frustration, and this goes back to that, the whole shame aspect of when sure. people ask me, like, what shows do you have going on? I have a very empty calendar. Yeah. And the shows that I do have on the calendar are not that great. Like, uh-huh. wouldn't it be great if I could... You see all these comics talk like, Oh, you gotta do uh, forty sets a month, then right. like you know, but they're passed at all these clubs. It's like, well it's easy for you to do sure. forty sets a month because you have people Yeah. Not that you didn't you know, those people work for those those positions, but still it's like if I was able to fill a calendar yeah with a lot of stand up shows and a lot of yeah. quality stand up shows, I think even then I would feel satisfied, sure. even if it doesn't hit that threshold that I'm looking for. Yeah. I just can't keep working into this abyss anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm just really attracted to the honesty of it. My favorite movie is Jerry Maguire. I oh, feel like nice. maybe you could resonate with that. I haven't seen it
0: in a long time, but I okay. should watch it.
1: Well, I I used to watch it before every time I went on stage. <laughs> Whoa. Um, a lot. And it's pretty long, so I had to stop that. But um, <laughs> I, I love that basically, you know, I mean, I guess this is a spoiler, but like, it's from 1996. It's a 25 Get year old movie. Yeah, um, you can't complain about it. <laughs> is um that and it's also like in the beginning, but that basically he has this breaking point and he writes this mission statement, um in the middle of the night. It's kind of seemed like an Adderall moment, but whatever. And then hands out the mission statement to everybody at his company and gets fired and that's like the thing. Who's coming with me. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, I mean, I love the movie because it basically is like, listen, just say what's true for you and maybe that will yield something disappointing happening to you and your safety net being taken away, right? Because he's at this company, they fire him, and then he only has one client, but then his one client ends up, and this is a spoiler in the movie, like really doing well for him. But it's
0: close though. Cause I remember like yeah. the, they, get, they get the facts, the first facts oh, yeah. with the shit offer. Yeah. And then, so it's not just the client that's riding on him. It's right. literally his whole career.
1: Well, and that's, I think what makes it such a beautiful movie. And by the way, I'm always like so much more partial to the Rod and Jerry storyline because I just find first of all, it's just the point of the movie. Like the whole mm. thing with Renee Zellweger, it's just like, I didn't believe the relationship and I don't care but yeah. like Rod's story, Cuba Gooding Jr., who I believe won an Oscar did, for yeah. for that role and deserved to. And um Tom Cruise's storyline as Jerry so parallel each other because Rod in his work life was like all about um the money and everything that basically Jerry had the courage to you know throw up in the air and be like whatever fuck this, mm-hmm. right? Meanwhile and I guess this is the reason for the love story in the movie in Rod's love life he was like all heart and in Jerry's love life he was with his head meanwhile in his work he was operating from his heart and and the movie's you know kind of message is like go from the heart and basically Rod gets injured and that's the thing that causes him to have heart in his game and makes him all the money and then everybody wants to go with Jerry and whatever it is but I really do love that movie. Um and I love it because of you know just showing really who you are. You know what I mean? I
0: know. Well it's it's I it's important to live authentically in that way because you have to live with yourself day to day. Yeah. And uh, again going back to that whole thing of like the small things add up whether it's like the car the car keys in the car that you drive or Yeah whatever motivates you to get out of bed or whatever your goal is for that day it's like all this external stuff it shows up and it looks nice but it's not it's not um fully present i don't know i i saw that you had a degree in philosophy and i kind of wanted to like i i I find philosophy just like so yeah interesting um Mm -hmm. i wish i could like it's very hard to read sometimes.
1: All the time. Well, first of all, I don't think. I mean, I do have. I have two degrees in philosophy, and mm-hmm. I don't really understand much of whatever got me those degrees.
0: I almost want to be like Mark Maron and be like, "Who are your guys? Are you into like oh. Schopenhauer or like
1: <laughs> Kant, <laughs> That's So funny. Who are your guys? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I wrote my master's thesis and my undergrad thesis on Kant, mm-hmm. and not like moral categorical imperative Kant, but more yeah. like aesthetics Kant, and so basically my fascination with philosophy was like kind of this like are we really here matrixy type of philosophy um cuz i think that that's always been fascinating to me i'm like how did we get here what's the meaning of it all like how do we know that this is real um and i mean one of my first actually my very first memory of my whole entire life was I was in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which I say to you because you're a fellow Bergen County Mm -hmm. person. We lived at 555 North Avenue, which is a building that actually I often pass on my way into the city now. But um, I was sitting and I was looking out at the highway and also this like motel that was next door. And I'm like spacing out something I did a lot as a kid. And my mom passes by. She's like, Elizabeth, what are you thinking about? And I was like, Mommy. One day today will be a long time ago. Oh, my God. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> she was like, "Hang on, I gotta call my sister to brag about this." You know, with her How genius, old are you at the I time? was four. Oh my god! And and you know, and the thing that's so beautiful about it, I mean, I don't mean to marvel at like my genius of it. I get that it's like a lot for. a It's a precocious thing
0: to say, but right. it's 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 right, innocent it was, in that way. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and but what's fun to me is like I really do pass by that exact view where it's like you could imagine little me. Looking at me driving into the city, Mm -hmm. you know, to do shows. And that day is a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Right. Because that was would have been like 1982 or three or whatever it was. Anyway, so I that was the kind of philosophy student that I was as well. I wasn't like, uh, hey, I'm going to tell you I'm right, which I think actually was like part of the reason that I found law a little off for me. Because a lot of people you meet in law school and who are lawyers are like, they're not that different from comics in the sense that they're like arguing that they're right. Mm -hmm. That's what you learn how to do, right? And you learn how to argue both sides, which comics in some ways also do. It's really, I guess we see things as we are. So it's like, this is my lens. Right.
0: It's like the point of view that you have is the point of view everyone else has. Right. But it,
1: it is that. It's like, you know, really building a set and building a case for something are not that different from each other. Well,
0: it's like you have to be able to argue both sides because you have to anticipate counterpoints and being able to make counterpoints to those counterpoints.
1: Right, right. And I think a lot of, not all stand-up, but a lot of stand-up does take the form of an argument. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't really, I, I didn't and don't find that kind of comedy like the most resonant for me. It's not the kind that, I think I write in my soul, Um, but I really do enjoy a sort of curiosity and wonder in my life and preserving that and writing from that place. Mm -hmm. You know, not exclusively. I mean, the car bit is a rant, but I don't know that I always rant um, it's good to have a rant every now yeah and then. sure Gotta but you know out. I don't know that that fits into like what I do mostly but, or but whatever the,
0: thing, the the line in that bit the one that really stuck with me is what even is on oh, that yeah. that's that's a philosophical <laughs> argument yeah. like is uh, yeah the car is technically yeah. you know active or operating but yeah. it's like the engine Thanks. isn't running so what even is on right you
1: know? yeah 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 so so yeah I think like in terms of being a philosophy student it was more that kind of stuff. Um I did really enjoy aesthetic philosophy and this idea of like um what is true for all of us versus what is true um subjectively or intersubjectively. Like I remember that in Kantian aesthetics was something that was like a big like when it's like when you say something is beautiful this is what Kant said as far as I remember you're not saying this is agreeable to me Mm -hmm. you're saying something is beautiful as in it's true and I don't know if I believe that is true necessarily but I take the idea to be powerful
0: yeah because I I feel like this is yeah I I feel like um beauty or you say something is beautiful like that falls more under subjective but whereas right. like something is true is objective yeah it's a fact but he kind of i don't want to say yeah. conflated the two but he he blurred that kind of distinction yeah almost. and he meant to mm-hmm.
1: as far as again i mean this is like a many decades later re-remembering mm-hmm. and like i'm you know i don't feel like like I have like a lot of degrees and all that, but I'm like I don't know much. Uh, I, really, no, I I don't
0: think anyone remembers anything they yeah, learned in college or, or anything I like mean, that. I mean, I
1: really, but I I know that my sense of curiosity and wonder is, uh, to me, that's my greatest asset, and it's like what I bring. Like I listen to a lot of self help books, and in that way, I think like. I actively pursue philosophy mm-hmm. because I really appreciate getting better. Like that's the thing that I like. Well,
0: because what philosophy is to me, like when it's practically applied, or I, I, to me, the best philosophy can be practically applied. Yeah. It's almost like in, like I don't want to say instructive, but it's it's like a guidepost on like here is the best way to live your life or the. Um, maybe I'm not phrasing this the right way. Yeah, that, I that, get that seems more that. like kind of wagging your finger, but it's like what's yeah. going to help your life flourish in a way <laughs> totally. and avoid like wrong yeah. decisions and negative consequences.
1: Right. And I think it's interesting that we're talking about this in a conversation with perfectionism, which is a school of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And also that, like, you know, similar to that, there's this, like, you know, what is a chair, right? Like that kind of Platonic ideal and thinking about, um, you know fitting oneself into an ideal of a thing outside of oneself and the extent to which like that pursuit is a weird one right like because there's this guy or they are not a guy um but there is a person who i don't know personally their name is aloke and i believe that just that name should yield results on social media but mm-hmm. I I learned of them through my friend dear friend Chris Duffy's podcast for the Ted Network um, he Chris does a podcast called how to be a better human which is an amazing podcast Chris interviewed Loke, who is a comic and artist and thinker and just spectacular person with like amazing things to say and today in one of my stories I reposted something that I saw of a and and it was basically this, you know, monologue in the context, I believe, of an interview where Alok was saying, you know, something about, like, the gender binary is only there to exert control over people in, like, categorizing them. And it's, like, meaningless because the purpose of life is to find beauty. And beauty it lies in being yourself. Mm-hmm. And... I think that, like, as a philosophy, there's really none better, in my opinion, than Mm -hmm.
0: that. Well, it almost, like, goes back to that, what you were talking about with why you got out of the law profession into stand-up, is, like, you know, you have these guardrails around you, or, like, these these standards that you're supposed to meet, or these expectations, and that doesn't feel authentic to you, so, like, the only solution is to literally toss them to the side and not yeah. care about them anymore you know yeah
1: yeah i think so
0: it's it's like a, a a singular idea that can kind of attach itself to many different yeah areas of life
1: yeah i think that's right mm-hmm. and we, oh sorry go ahead no you
0: oh i was gonna say because I'm, I'm very curious just um before we wrap up here like we, i mean we still got some time but yeah. I'm, I'm very curious in that when you did make the decision because you said when you started stand up it wasn't like you left teaching yeah. law right away but you knew you were done yeah how long was that transition period and yeah. and what did you like financially to bridge the gap like, yeah. like how did that actually play itself out
1: sure so I the day after I did stand up for the very first time I w- I was riding on fumes I thought it was amazing like mm-hmm. you know I mean it went f- fine like it went well for then I didn't know what good was but I just think. doing it is, yeah. is the yeah the and it did thrill. go well but also it's like it was then right mm-hmm. so I was like on fumes the next morning and I had this very powerful like daydream vision whatever you want to call it where I was on the tonight show not doing stand-up but already on the couch you're paneling yeah nice and <laughs> thanks it's a credit that I'll take <laughs> and <laughs> in her daydream and um I was asked, and this was during my seventh year of teaching, by the way. I had just gotten tenure after six years, so you, this was seventh year
0: so you got you hit the goal of tenure yeah. that you were like everything was clamping down around you for so hard for so long for, and then right after that it's like stand up, yeah, like I'm already done with that, yeah. That's, that's so, all right, yeah, go ahead. That's yeah, so interesting.
1: Yeah, And it was just because someone suggested like, hey, did you ever think of doing stand up?" And I was like, no. And she's like, well, I would give you 10 minutes on my show. And I was like, still no. And then she's like, a lot of people would want this. And I'm like, I love things a lot of people want. So <laughs> I said, yes. And then I did it and I loved it. And I told my therapist, actually, I was like, it was like having a professional orgasm, which was basically a regular orgasm, but I was 100% sure that it happened. And so anyway, I had that experience Next day, I have this, like, vision paneling on The Tonight Show, and in this scene that played out in my brain when I was awake, I was asked, so, I don't get it. Like, you were a law professor for a decade, and then you just left and became a stand-up comedian? And I said in response, well, actually, Jimmy, it wasn't a decade. It was nine years. And... In my head, I was like, I think that's funny. Like, I think it's funny to round down from 10 to 9 when it's not in my favor, but I would in order to preserve accuracy because I'm a lawyer, and I'm like telling my mother the next morning after I did the first show ever, I was like, I had this vision. She's like, Elizabeth, don't quit your day job for that joke. I don't even get it, okay? And I was like, okay. But I couldn't get the vision out of my mind, Mm -hmm. right? Because it was so like clear. But I wrote down, I remember on a piece of printer paper with like Sharpie. I was like, don't quit for a bit, especially if it's not even funny. Okay. But I had it in my head and that was year seven. And then in year eight of teaching for me, I get a phone call from my dean and it was this phone call where it's like, Hey, we're calling all of the tenured faculty members to offer people buyout packages. Oh shit. And the thing with that is, like, they don't want, I, I mean, this is, like, editorial commentary for me, but, like, I think they don't want to send a memo because they don't want anyone leaking the memo to one of the gossip sites, and there are them, mm-hmm. for law, for lawyers. TMC for law school? Yeah, basically, because they're wow. like, you know, this school's in trouble, you know, whatever, and they're fine. I mean, whatever. They, like, were fine. They were having a moment, and the dean decided to do this. And the other part of the editorial commentary is, I think, that this was a move designed to get, sort of, like, older faculty out of their Tenured positions to save money, mm-hmm. but they don't want to get sued for age discrimination. Again, my editorial commentary. I'm such a lawyer that I keep saying. Like, first caveats of all, I am, like, yeah. I'm such a lawyer. Everyone's <laughs> like, Liz, you're not the lawyer we're worried about suing um, for like malpractice. Like, first of all, anybody who's like using me, th- there's no lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It's thrown out on the basis of you should have known. So anyway, <laughs> but um so they I think that it's a move. That organizations might do if they don't want to be sued for age discrimination. So they're just like, listen, this applies equally across the board to everybody who has tenure. And so I was like 33 at the time, oh wow, but had this equally apply to me just as if I was 95, mm-hmm. right? And so the dean calls and I'm like on the phone, like, you know, scribbling down all of the tranches of this like buyout offer. Like, oh, somebody could go a quarter time, a half time, an eighth time, whatever. And you get some sort of commensurate reward because they have to buy you out of your job right, because you have tenure. Mm-hmm. And then the the second to last option was or somebody could choose to quit at the end of this year. And then the final, final option was or somebody who could choose to quit at the end of next year. And I'm looking down and I'm like, oh my God, that's nine years. Exactly.
0: Yeah, everything just kind of aligns.
1: And so it wasn't the kind of thing. And then the thing I got in return, it wasn't like enough money to never work a day in my life or anything close to it. It was two years salary, which is pretty good. But
0: that's like a great head start. Yeah,
1: and... I also, from the day of that phone call, I had another year and a half until it took effect, mm-hmm. because that was during my eighth year in February. So then I had all of the eighth year plus the ninth year, during which time I was working kind of a lame duck year and a half. Yeah, uh, obviously, did like the best teaching ever of my life when it like totally didn't matter. There's, there's no stakes. Yeah, so you're just, exactly. Like, fuck it. Right, and so. Then and then there was the two years after that. Right. And so, yeah, so it was a really good head start. It was enough for me to anticipate the move in the direction of a life in this stuff uh, while having a job and a salary and then no job and a salary. Right. Depending on when while doing stand up also. And then, you know, I mean, Then I had savings for like some years. You had a lot of
0: time to prep for it. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that that's significant. I always like to make sure to note that because especially in like the self-help world, there's this whole like leap and the net will appear. And I think that that can be helpful sometimes in terms of like, I don't know, getting rid of fear. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think it's just like silly And kind of misguided. No,
0: the real world has real world consequences. Right.
1: And I think at least for me, and I don't know what qualities of me would account for why this was necessary for someone like me, maybe like a fearful person, a planner, a worrier, type A, OCD, ADD, whatever it is, like lesbian, I have no idea, Jewish, (laughs) what's relevant, a lawyer, whatever I am, I think I benefited from having that lead time mm-hmm. right structure yeah and so whenever people cuz i i do get a few phone calls a week of like i think i want to quit my job you know can you talk or whatever and i i do take those phone calls but i also make sure to note the 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 breadth of the story Because it's kind of like, yeah, I did quit, but it wasn't like the next day. No. You know? You
0: you manifested it in a daydream, but it it took took a you know, It had to play out over a period of time. yeah, yeah. I'm still like blown away by that, where it's like, I just see this through line of your life of like four years old. On on the on the the yeah. lawn like today will be a long time from now. Yeah, through the philosophy degree with the aesthetics, and then yeah. just like the day after you start doing stand up, you have this like vision almost. Yeah, and then it kind of comes to fruition. Yeah, in this thing that I don't want to say it's outside of your control because you had you had choices and stuff, but like this thi- this like opportunity just kind of yeah presented itself to you in a way that you were able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think that's very cool. Thanks. One thing I wanted to touch on before we close up here: um, yeah. your wife is a, a rabbi, correct?
1: Yes. How Do you need one? I, I
0: might actually. <laughs> uh, I I could use all the She's help the I can best. get. She's She's really amazing. How much does um faith play a role in like your standup, or oh, or like yeah. in like in like your work ethic? Just because a personal caveat, I think that yeah, working hard in and of itself, uh-huh. or like working towards a goal, is an act of faith because yeah. you're putting in all this time and effort, and you don't know for a fact that it's going to work out, but it might work out, or yeah. you believe that it will.
1: Yeah. Um, it plays a big role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I i mean, you know, the fact that Karen's a rabbi, yes, like I feel like I've had a connection to Hashem, God for Jews, since as long as I can remember. And like, you know, i I am self-aware enough to recognize the narcissism of it, which is to say, like, I believe that there's a God and I believe he's extremely interested in me. You know, and like I I think that there are times in my life when I've like been mean to myself about the extent to which I'm as self-centered in that kind of narcissistic belief in God as I have been. But I think in some ways it serves me way better and it's almost like way less annoying When I take care of the faith and the belief in myself so that I don't have to outsource it to people Mm -hmm. because like on the one hand it's like isn't it like a lot for you to believe that much in yourself and it's like yeah but if I do then I don't need you to.
0: Right. You, you don't know? like burden somebody else with, like, please yeah. validate me.
1: Correct. And, you know, the first time I ever did stand up, I did it on a program with improv teams. And as a result, the person putting together the show was like, what's the name of your show? And now, if I was on a stand up show with improv people, I'm like, oh, I don't need like a naked pickles type of improv team name mm-hmm. like they have, but I can just be my name. Like, just say Liz Glazer and that's fine. But then I didn't know that, so I had to have a name. And the name I came up with for the first time I ever did stand up, and the second, which were like part of the same, which were part of the same show, um, I named my show "Everybody Loves Me." <laughs> and the reason was because I was like, I think that this is the thing that I need to believe in order to come from a place to uh, to do stand up where I'm not asking the audience to love me because I have that taken care of. Mm-hmm. And
0: also they can sense that desperation and it makes it like you. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally,
1: totally. And but I feel like that I still think of that as like a mantra of sorts. And and I think it's like everybody loves you, every, it, like just believe that and you're fine.
0: You know, that's um that's something I struggle with. Like I I, I can fall into like self-loathing yeah. and like, like a lot of self-criticism Yeah. Um, and thinking that any, anything that I want or anything I'm striving for, it all falls on me. And yeah. if, if it doesn't work out, it's my fault and I'm the problem. Yeah. Um, I am though. It's yeah. the thing. <laughs> yeah. Pete.
1: So it's my fault. You can take that worry away. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it yeah. off me and yeah. put it on you.
0: <laughs> but like, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know any, anything that I've read about, like um addiction recovery, where yeah. it's like the whole thing of you have to, put your, take your will out of your hands and give it up to God. Like, I think there's an application for that just outside of addiction recovery, just in your day-to-day life where it's like my life and the things that happen aren't fully on me. I can just kind of surrender, like do the best I can, but surrender control of it. And I think like having that to kind of hang on to Mm -hmm. removes some of that stress. And that's something I've been trying to like really let go of specifically over the sure. past like month or two as i've been as i've been doing this and like things yeah. haven't like taken off the way i've wanted to yeah but it's um yeah it's a constant reminder process it never ends so it's great that you have like that faith kind of like oh yeah everything.
1: i mean it's 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 work to believe it you mm-hmm. know it's like just because i know it intellectually doesn't mean that i internalize it really right you know um but i really believe in you and this project thank you like, i appreciate a, that. oh a thousand percent I do. And I think, by the way, that if the numbers aren't what you want them to be now, it's better for the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've that's what I've been trying to tell myself too. It's like again, growth mindset. You yeah. Have this stuff at the beginning that doesn't quite work. And then you look back on it four or five months down the road, it's like, Oh, look how different things are. One now day today to
1: will be a long time ago.
0: Holy yeah, holy shit, there we go. Yeah. I think that's a uh, fantastic place to and the sun. Liz, Thanks, where Pete. where can people find you? Where tell us about your album. My
1: address is um <laughs> yeah. I no you can go to www. I always still say the www. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you need it. Dot dear Liz Glazer, like you're writing me a letter. Dear L I Z G L A Z E R dot com is my website, and there you can find I'm at Liz Glazer on like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn I mean people there's a lot sleeping. of content creation on LinkedIn. I know yeah well I do shows for lawyers and law professors and and law students and so um I definitely no shade to LinkedIn mm-hmm. I love LinkedIn um but my Twitter I don't have because my Twitter was hacked someone in Lithuania that's I just know that from the whatever notice that my email was changed Um, and uh, apparently they've been tweeting hourly about cryptocurrency. Oh yeah. That happened to my wife once too. I think
0: it was crypto and maybe something to do with like anime, something. Or they were using anime characters to promote crypto. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone
1: who knows me knows I would only tweet about crypto like once a day, not multiple (laughs) times, but, um, (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't have a Twitter because of that, but all the other ones are Liz Glazer. And your album? My album is a very particular experience. You can find it by looking up my name. And um, we got mentioned in the New York Times. Yes, I saw that.
0: Congratulations. Um,
1: Thank you. And uh, It's been number one
0: on iTunes for like a week.
1: Yeah, we had six days, number one on iTunes. It was so cool. And so, yeah. So anyway, um, feel free to find me. If you send me an email, I will appreciate it. And thank you. Thank, thank you, Liz. You, thank Pete. you for all the kind words and oh for my God, the, uh, duh. the yeah. philosophical discussion here oh, on the couch. Same. It's been yeah. to have it. Same. All right. Me too. Awesome. Okay.
0: Thank you so much, everyone. Hey, oh, uh, like and subscribe. I keep forgetting yeah, to do that.
1: Don't, yeah, like and subscribe because here's the thing. Nothing is anything until later, and this will be something later.
0: You can be part of the later. Yeah. Don't, don't invest yourself make, in the later. <laughs>
1: make later now.
0: Make later come a little sooner. You <laughs> know, like maybe like before like the middle of the summer. That yes. would be pretty sick. Yes. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Liz.
1: Thanks, Pete.